Welcome to the show that helps business owners and business people. If it's about marketing, sales, or anything business related, we'll discuss it. This is Strictly Business with Chase Channel. Now, here's Chase. What's going on, everyone? This is 105.3, the talk of Jackson, and you're listening to Strictly Business. You heard the man. My name's Chase Channel, and for the next two hours, we're going to be talking all things business. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, strap on your seatbelt, because we're going to have some fun. So now it's time to get down to business. First item on the agenda today is I wanted to talk about an experience I had when I was in California, uh, maybe less than a month ago. And I was fortunate enough to spend some time with Navy SEAL operator Robert O'Neill. He's a former Navy SEAL Team 6 leader, Naval Special Warfare Development Group, and New York Times bestselling author. He now currently works for Fox News and travels around doing speeches to groups such as the one I was a part of. He's one of the nation's most decorated war veterans who lives by the mantra, never quit. He's faced several of the most high-profile and difficult war, war missions of our time. He's been in over 400 combat missions across four theaters of war. Robert is a fantastic speaker. I was able to spend time with him, and he's funny. And just listening to what he's been through in his life gives you a completely different perspective of what's important in yours. And the reason that it, I bring this up is, and some people think, well, he's a Navy SEAL. What does that have to do with business? There's a lot of parallels between Navy SEALs and the business world. One of those parallels is the mantra, never quit. In business, it's not all rainbows and sunshine. Sometimes it gets tough, and when it gets tough, it comes down to, are you going to give up and ring that bell to quit, or are you going to persevere, dig in, and say, you know what, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make it happen. While listening to Robert, he came in and spoke to us for about an hour, really down-to-earth guy. And there was a few things that kind of stuck out as I sat there and took notes. One of them I thought was kind of interesting is, is he said that don't post. He says, I'm a fan of social media, but don't post our location. And if you take a photo, don't post it until tomorrow because he's one of the people who is on the ISIS or ISIL, you know, hit list or like we have the FBI's most wanted list. So there's people that are looking for him. So he says, for your safety, and for mine, please make sure to not do that. So right away, I'm thinking, wow, can you imagine living your life where everywhere you walk, you have to be thinking, is somebody here out to get me and staying that vigilant at all times? He didn't talk a lot about killing Osama bin Laden, although he did welcome any questions and he did talk about it. But he gave us a copy of his book, which detailed the entire story. And a lot of the stuff that he covered was the training which leads up to it. He talked about the differences between BUDS, which is the basic underwater demolition training that they go through. And he talked about how once you go through that and graduate, the training that comes after, and then the selection process for SEAL Team 6, all of which I thought was very, very fascinating. But one of the things he shared uh, really stood out to me. And it stood out, and I'm going to play a clip so that you can hear part of his speech. And in that speech, he talks about one of the SEAL instructors that came in on the first day of BUDS, and what he said to them and advice on how to get through it. So I'm going to play the short clip for you, and then we're going to talk about it a little bit, and I'm going to tell you what I thought about the video and what I got from it. So hang on one sec. Let me pull up this clip. Okay, here we go. So I'm going to play this, and then I'll be right back. Hang on one sec. 
10 out of 10 people die, <laughs> right? So it's a dry sense of humor. We learned it the first day because we had about 220 sailors that were going through the course. We'd seen the movies, but we didn't know what to do. What do you do with this course? So they sat us in a classroom, kind of like this, and they brought a SEAL on a stage, an instructor, to tell us what to expect for the next eight months of our miserable lives. And he came walking in looking like a SEAL. Camouflage pants, bloused into boots, a tight blue t-shirt, says UDT SEAL instructor, tattoos down to his knuckles. The guy's ripped. Uh, he is a Navy SEAL, so he's obviously ridiculously good looking. <laughs> and he had a ball cap pulled down over his eyes so we could barely see him. And we're looking at him like you're looking at me, except we are absolutely terrified. No idea what he's about to say, and he kind of relished that. So we stood there in silence and finally said, looking good today, gents? Not you, me. I know what you're thinking, I look a little tired. It's because I am, I was up all night. I had to get my wife out of jail. She was arrested for shoplifting. Earlier that afternoon, we were leaving the mall together and she had her arm around me. Security thought she was trying to steal an anatomy chart. <laughs> so we're sitting there, not sure how to respond, but just thinking, what is this psychopath talking about, right? Uh, he, was, he was bored. He, he was early, and he knew we were terrified, so he's, he was having fun to amuse himself at our expense. Uh, but then he got motivational. He said, okay, I know you guys have read the books and seen the movies, um, but this is not impossible. Look at me, I'm proof. You can make it through this course. I will never ask you to do anything impossible, but I will make you do something very hard, followed immediately by something very hard, followed by something even harder, day after day after day for eight straight months. And that sounds like a lot to get from now to eight months from now, but don't think about it that way. That is not how you achieve a long-term goal. Wake up in the morning on time and make your bed the right way, then brush your teeth, little victories. Make it to 5 a.m. PT on time. Get through that and make it to breakfast. After breakfast, concentrate on getting to lunch. After lunch, make it to dinner. After dinner, do everything you need to do to get back in that bed. No matter how bad your day was, you get a fresh start tomorrow because your bed was made right. And when you feel like quitting, which you will, don't quit right now, quit tomorrow. If you can keep doing that in that time, because I'll never ask you to do anything impossible, all you need to do to get from now to graduation day is not do one thing. No matter what, never quit. You'll be fine. There you go. That's Robert O'Neill. And as I, as I was telling you, he's got a funny sense of humor. But some of the things, and, and I think that little clip that I just played was some of the most impactful things of the hour that he talked to us that I took away from it. One of it was little victories. And these are the parallels I'm talking about in business because in business, it's always a battle. You could have the best year you've ever had. It's not going to be good enough next year. So if you can't develop a mindset of little victories every single day, and when you reach those victories, you say to yourself, okay, I've accomplished something. I made something happen. It's, it's different. So remembering how important it is to accomplish these small victories. And small victories in business, you could set out, they could be a daily goal. They could be multiple daily goals. Like he talked about waking up in the morning, making your bed, that's a victory. Get to breakfast, that's a, a victory. And in business, it's kind of the same thing. Sometimes you have to break your whole day down. You have so much ahead of you. Maybe you have to fire someone when you get there. 
And you think, man, you're just dreading the moment that you get there and you have to terminate this person. But part of your day and part of what you have to do as a business owner or as a manager is you got to let this person go. So breaking your day out into little victories and you say, okay, once I fired that person, that's a little victory because you've accomplished something that you that you wanted to get done. And whether it was positive or negative, most people say, well, geez, Chase, I can't, how could you ever feel good about firing someone? And the, the thing about that is, and, it, and I'm going to address that because it's something that needs to be addressed in business. I've never felt bad about firing someone. The reason is if you work for me and I have to terminate you, I didn't terminate you. You fired yourself. Now, what I mean by that, and I learned this early on in business, one of my first mentors, he said, Chase, you're going to have to fire this person. I said, fire him. Are you kidding me? I just couldn't believe it. And it had me so shook up. I said, man, I hate to go down there and just fire him. You know, he's married. He's got kids. What am I supposed to do? He said, Chase, here's what you have to do. He says, if you feel bad about firing him, then it's your fault. I said, "Uh uh-oh, this doesn't sound good. He says, because you haven't clearly communicated to him as a manager that he's failing. And then I started to think, well, maybe he's right. Maybe I haven't done a good enough job at that. He says, so if you don't want to fire him, I suggest you go down there and you start managing him, and you better let him know he's failing at what he's doing. So as shook up as I was, I went down, and from that day forward, I said, you know what? If I have to let someone go, I want to be clear up front where they stand with me. I want them to know they're not getting the job done, not just every day come in and smile at them like everything's fine and, oh, hey, how's it going? You're having a great day. Everything's wonderful. And then walk in and say, hey, I need to talk to you. Hey, sorry, we're part in company and you're fired. I mean, how cold is that? So that's a, that's a very valuable lesson to remember in business is make sure that you're communicating those things. But talking about the little victories, back to what Robert was talking about, is making sure that you accomplish those things. A real, real simple way to do this is, is just have a, a ledger or a log or a journal and write down what you got to accomplish in the day's time. And every time you do, you scratch it off. That's a little victory. And if you can just, like he said, if you can just get back to your bed, which maybe you make your bed, that'll get your day started the right way. But if you make it back to your bed, the thing about business is it is always a fresh start tomorrow, which is the same thing he mentioned in his speech. So remember that regardless of how bad the day was, let's say we didn't sell anything, a customer was mad, the day just went terrible. Tomorrow's a new day. It's a fresh start. If you carry the baggage from the day before with you, then you're going to ruin every day. And every day you're going to walk in with that weight on your shoulders, feeling negative, and you're not going to get any positive results. So remember that in business, little victories matter and make sure that, and remember that every day you got to get a fresh start on the day. Every day is a new day. So always remember that. The next thing, and this is one thing that probably stuck with me the most of even the things he said in that short time span was if you want to quit, quit tomorrow. I'm going to say it again. If you want to quit, quit tomorrow. When I heard that, I thought, man, how simple is that? Seems so simple, right? If you want to quit, quit tomorrow, because if you do that, you'll never quit. Because we all know that in the moment that we want to quit, it's because it's easy. We can say, you know what? I'm fed up with this. My boss has been a jerk. I'm out of here. I'm underappreciated. They don't value me. He was mean to me. Whatever the case may be, and you walk out. Well, all you did then was quit. If you, in business, if you find that frustration, you say, you know what, as mad as I am, 
and I'm fed up with this place and I want to quit, I'm going to quit tomorrow. It forces you to spend at least a day thinking about, is it the right decision? And it keeps you from making an impulsive decision, which could be detrimental to your career. So remember that because it's extremely important in business. And I really want you to understand the parallels to this. Robert now is an analyst on Foxy. They ask him questions. And as a SEAL, I mean, it's tough to say that he got a lot of business training while he was in Buds or why he was in. But the facts are life is business. So he got tons of training. And coming out of Buds and being in the military, being in the Navy, this guy's got some serious business skills. That's why he can set up and talk to thousands of people, whether it be at Disney or like to our group was a small group for him. I mean, I think we had 50 plus people, so maybe 50, 75 people. One of the number one fears of anyone's public speaking. And this is a real funny thing. I learned this at a leadership course that I went through. They talked about what the number one thing people were scared to do was, was public speaking. Right behind it, number two is being burned to death. So this guy at least learned some skills that in buds or in the Navy where he can at least get up and talk to a crowd, which is more than what most people would like to do. So the last thing he kind of tailed off there at the end was never quit, which goes along with the quit tomorrow. And in business, you have to have resilience. You have to wake up every day and say, you know what, we're going to figure out a way to make it happen. If you give up easily, don't get in business because it's not going to be easy. And one thing that everyone asks me all the time is they say, Chase, how oh, man, I tell you, you're really successful. How'd you become so successful? It's because regardless of how I feel in the morning or how hurt my feelings got, I still wake up every morning, put on my shirt and tie, put on my dress slacks, and I head out to the office. And I say, you know what, I'm going to make the decision that I'm going back and I'm going back for more. They're not going to win. They're not going to force me out. The customer who was mean to me, that's not going to change my day or my week. It's just business. Last week, I talked about not getting emotional and talked about in business remembering that it's important to keep it business and not let your emotions get involved. Passion fuels business people. But what happens when your passion runs over and you take everything personally is it just really drags you down. So remember that in all these little things we're talking about, it's just, it's not personal. And at this stage in my life, I can honestly say that I never get upset where it's personal because I can always step back and say, you know what? I know they're mad, but they're not mad at me. They're mad at what happened. They're not mad at me. They're mad because of, you know, this transpired or that transpired. And that's just business. That's something that I can fix or I can make them happy. So you got to look at it like it's an opportunity. But talking to Robert, he was a fantastic guy. He gave us a lot of different insight. I was able to ask some interesting questions. And, you know, talking to someone who's been in over 400 different missions across four different theaters of war, I mean, the guy's seen a lot. So it's tough to really throw him off. One of the things that always kind of I always thought about with the SEAL stuff was they, they do a swim, and it's called the Shark Swim. And it's off the coast of uh, San Diego. I, I think he said the swim is about a mile. But it's in the ocean. And he said the minute you get on the island, they start playing Shark Week videos. And then they tell you, they say, well, here's the deal. No one's ever been eaten by a shark. So we're going to tell you what to do during your swim. So if you encounter a shark, as long as you do what, what we tell you, you'll be just fine. But he says the whole time they're playing the Shark Week videos, everybody's getting worked up, and then you have to go do this swim. It's at nighttime, it's in the ocean, and you're surrounded by a bunch of sharks. 
So I asked him about that because I didn't know if it was like folklore, if it really went on. But he says, yeah, that's really a thing. It really happens. And he talked about, um, you know, the, he says, listen, it's just one of those things that you get in and you just do. And he says, following those instructions is important. So just thinking about those things, and like I said, in business, when I was listening to this, thinking about, man, this guy went and swam with sharks, traveled around the country, went on what he thought was basically a suicide mission to kill bin Laden, and here I am worried about whatever, you know, some payroll issue or some, it all seems trivial in the grand scheme of life. Right as we started that, he was leaving off on something where he said, uh, don't take life too seriously because none of us are getting out alive. And everyone was kind of laughing about it. And he says, seriously, 10 out of 10 of us will be dead, which is true. So remembering that, it puts everything in perspective, and it makes it that much more important as to why we do what we do in business. So we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to get into some questions from the Facebook page, from the text line. If you have questions, you can post them up online, facebook.com backslash the Chase Channel Show. You're listening to 105.3, The Talk of Jackson, and this is Strictly Business. You're listening to Strictly Business with Chase Channel. Thanks for listening to 105.3, The Talk of Jackson. Don't go anywhere. Chase will be back right after this. Dribble into deals this March at Victory Honda of Jackson. Hi, I'm Chase Channel, General Manager, and right now during the Honda Dream Garage Spring event, make zero down payment, zero security deposit, and zero first month's payment on select brand new Hondas. Plus, you won't have to make a single payment until summer. That's right, no payments until summer. And when you upgrade your vehicle at Victory Honda, we'll give you 125% of the book value for your trade. For complete details, visit VictoryHondaJackson.com then come into Victory Honda on Highway 45 Bypass and save big with no payments until summer. So come in today and score this three-point deal right here at Victory Honda. With approved credit through HFS, not all buyers or vehicles will qualify. Offers don't combine, plus tax, title, license, and $4.99 dealer fee. Payments deferred by lender. 125% of black with wholesale value minus restocking, reconditioning, and mileage fees. Subject to a clean Carfax report. See dealer for complete details. Offer expires 331.18. We're back. You're listening to Strictly Business on 105.3, The Talk of Jackson. Glad that you're with us today. Uh, we're going to get right down to business and go to our Facebook page where you can post up questions. You can check us out at facebook.com backslash the Chase Channel Show. Uh, the question posted is from Kevin. He says, what are the most important factors or advice for starting a small 501c? For those of you who don't know, 501C is a nonprofit organization. Uh, one of the things I don't have, I've never owned or operated a nonprofit, but I can give you some advice, Kevin. It's an excellent question. The first thing I would recommend is make sure that you talk to a nonprofit attorney to make sure that your business qualifies and that there's, I think, 27, I uh, could be wrong, but I think there's 27, 27 or 28 different types of nonprofit organizations. And with those, you want to make sure that your business falls into that category and that it's the right choice for you. So make sure you consult with an attorney who specializes in nonprofit. And the second thing that I would really recommend with nonprofit is, and when you hear the word nonprofit, you have to understand there's nonprofits that pay their CEOs millions of dollars a year. So it's not always about 
not making money, but understanding that even a small nonprofit, it's important that you have the funds to fund whatever the mission is, whether it's ministry or um, you know medical medical related or whatever the whatever the case may be is. But regardless of which one it is, it's important to remember that and just uh, remember that when looking into that, you think, hey, is is the mission important to me? Is this something that I'm committed to? Is it something I'm passionate about? So I think of it the same way as I think of my regular business, but with making sure that the mission is important to me and it's important to my vision. And then other than that, you just want to make sure that the business still makes sense, even though it's nonprofit, does it make sense? And will it enable you to help the people that you want to help? That's a great question. Hopefully that helps you, Kevin, gives you a few little tidbits of information and some insight. But you know, just remembering that, like I said, even though it's nonprofit, remember that you still want to think of it in a sense of, hey, is this something that I'm still going to be able to help accomplish the things that I want to accomplish? That being said, let's check it out here. we got a couple other questions that have come in. This one says, Chase, when deciding on advertisers, what is it that you do to decide what's best for your business? Well, that's kind of a broad question, but I'll give you the best answer I can give you. Uh, when deciding on advertisers, the first thing I do is try to remember what is it that my c consumer listens to? What customer am I going after? You know, in the car business, um, it's pretty simple. I go after anybody who's has a driver's license and can buy a car. But in other businesses, sometimes more niche than others, it's important to remember that you think about, you know, where do your consumers find information? Where would they find you? And a good piece of information to remember about this, especially if you're in small business and starting out, is when you make an ad budget, make the ad budget as part of your expenses for your business. That's something that a lot of people don't do. When they start their business plans, they factor in a lot of things and they leave out their ad budget and they say they don't even realize that there is such a thing. And then all of a sudden the person from the radio walks in or the newspaper or the TV station and says, hey, you want to do some advertising? And they show you what they've got to offer, and you think, man, that seems like a great idea, and it, and it probably is. And then next thing you know, um, you're going, well, uh, yeah, let's do it. And then you spent two grand uh, you know, that month on television that you didn't have set up and factored for. So now you have this big eyesore variable expense stick sticking out there that you've got to deal with. So make sure when you're deciding your business concept and your business model, you want to make sure that the advertising cost – are factored into it. Make sure that that's in your equation. Uh, the next thing that I do is make sure that, like I said, the person that I want targeted listens to it. Then I think about the response rate. So in advertising, there's different types. There's branding, uh, which is one, which, you know, I think of things like television is really branding. Not many people at midnight are going to be sitting there eating Cheetos, watching the TV commercial and go, oh, wow, I need to come buy a car you know, because Chase looked great on screen or, or the whatever the promotion was, was fantastic. Now, sometimes it's all about just keeping it top of mind, right? They're going to see the ad, then maybe the next day their car breaks down. And then the first thing they think back to is, hey, you know, I remember that Victory Honda had great deals going on. Then they're going to come to your dealership. That's part of branding is keeping it top of mind. Let's say that the scenario doesn't come up where they think about um, something happens to them, but maybe they go to lunch with a friend and the friend says, man, I've really been thinking about getting a new car and I've had issues with my car. And if they've seen those commercials time in, time out, 
they're going to say, well, you know, you should go over and try that Victory Honda. I think that they might, might be a good fit for you. So remember that there's different types. If you want direct response, meaning that someone walks in the door and says, hey, I'm here for this reason, a lot of times those come with uh, maybe some type of promotion or even direct mailers like bring it in and win a prize or the first 10 people in the door get this or there has to be something that draws them in and there's direct response with Facebook and with everything else, uh, all other advertising sources. But And there is a direct response occasionally with TV and those medians, but you just want to think about when you're deciding how do I spend my ad dollars is you think, what is it that's important to me? Do I want a direct draw from this and, and to sell X amount of cars? Here's what I can tell you from experience is the more direct the response is, the more expensive the advertising is. Meaning per unit sold, you're going to spend more money to get that direct response than you are to, to do the blanket branding. So when you do TV, I mean, there could be, you know, who knows, 20,000 people watching as an example versus now that doesn't mean of the 20,000, you're going to get, you know, half of them to come in. Whereas with uh, maybe you do some type of prize giveaway that if you come to the dealership, you get this, then all of a sudden they think, wow, I'm getting something. So the response rates way higher, but the cost to do that is more expensive. So think of it from a return on investment. What is it that you expect to get out of the advertising? And then my last little piece of information on that and recommendation is a lot of times grassroots advertising and community is extremely important. And when I say it's important, it's important because A, you want to be part of the community that you, that you do business in. B, you're usually helping out other people. And C, in helping out these people, it really makes them feel like, hey, you know, Victory Honda is part of the community or whatever business it is is really part and they want to help out and, and they want to do that. And that's all wonderful. But before you go sponsoring T-ball teams or whatever it is you got going on, make sure that your business can sustain, meaning don't let your heart get in the way of business decisions. Don't think, well, they really wanted a do donation on our behalf, and even though things aren't going great, maybe we should do that. You can't make business decisions with your heart, so you have to make sure to keep your business in mind and make sure, hey, we can survive. Because I can tell you this, there's a lot of Little League jerseys out there in the world that have businesses that are out of business. So I think the Little League and, and all the other, I shouldn't pick on Little League, but Babe Ruth or whatever the organization is, basketball, or that come in looking for sponsors from businesses, it's wonderful to help out the kids and to do nice things for the community, but make sure your business can sustain. So that's a fantastic question. We're going to take a short break. There's more list of questions we're going to get into. So we'll be back right after this. You're listening to Strictly Business with Chase Channel. Thanks for listening to 105.3 The Talk of Jackson. Don't go anywhere. Chase will be back right after this. Dribble into deals this March at Victory Honda of Jackson. Hi, I'm Chase Channel, General Manager. And right now, during the Honda Dream Garage Spring event, make zero down payment, zero security deposit, and zero first month's payment on select brand new Hondas. Plus, you won't have to make a single payment until summer. That's right, no payments until summer. And when you upgrade your vehicle at Victory Honda, we'll give you 125% of the book value for your trade. For complete details, visit VictoryHondaJackson.com, then come into Victory Honda on Highway 45 Bypass and save big with no payments until summer. 
So come in today and score this three-point deal right here at Victory Honda. With approved credit through HFS, not all buyers or vehicles will qualify. Offers don't combine, plus tax, title, license, and $4.99 dealer fee. Payments deferred by lender. 125% of black with wholesale value minus restocking, reconditioning, and mileage fees. Subject to a clean Carfax report. See dealer for complete details. Offer expires 331.18. We're back. You're listening to Strictly Business. My name's Chase Channel. Thanks for tuning in. And in case you've missed it, we started out the show and we talked a little bit about Navy SEAL Robert O'Neill. We've answered a few questions from Facebook. And then I wanted to share a little bit with you and get this off my chest because I've been thinking about it. And in doing this radio show, I've been kind of thinking about, well, one of the things that drives me crazy about people who provide advice to businesses or to other people is gurus. Now, what I mean by that is gurus are people who have all the advice, but they don't do it. So I always think to myself, if you're so good at it, why aren't you doing it instead of out here trying to talk me into paying you to tell me how to do it? So all these blowhard trainers and people that are out there, just remember this. I'm here to help. I work every single day at Victory Honda. I'm the general manager. And I do this because I want to give back to the businesses and people of the community and everyone that listens to the show. I wish that there was something like this when I started my first business because I didn't have anyone that I could ask questions to that's, you know, maybe learn the hard way. And I feel like a lot of times in business, it's kind of like um, maybe poker or even pool as in when you want to learn, people kind of say, well, you know, why would I tell you? Because why give away the, the secrets? But the facts are there's so many successful businesses and business people in the world. I just want to share some of the things that I know with everyone listening so that they can have some of those tidbits of, uh, of information. But getting back to business, I found an article on Forbes the other day I was reading through, and it said the 23 most important questions in business – and I thought about that, and I said, hmm, wonder what those are. So these are some questions that I think are good to ask yourself if you're in business. The first one is, how committed am I? And when you say, how committed am I, how committed are you to, your, maybe it's a product you're developing, or maybe it's uh, a new company that you've started, or maybe you've been in the same job or business for 20 years, I would say that you're pretty committed. But sometimes when you feel that burnout, you think, hey, is this really something I, I still want to do? So think about in business, one of those important questions is how committed am I? The next one's what's my value proposition? Uh, that one's kind of self-explanatory, but when you think about the value proposition, just think about is what you're asking for in your business reasonable and does it make sense to the consumer? Uh, the third one was, am I clearly communicating my value proposition? Uh, hopefully, the, hopefully you are, but in business, that's an important thing to remember. Uh, the next one was, is, is my product or service a real business? And I got to that one and I said, is my product or service a real business? And then it says, what's better one hundredth of 1% of a $100 billion market or 25% of a $40 million market? Of course, they're the same in dollar terms, but for whatever reasons, capturing that thin slice of a massive pie might be much harder and less profitable than owning a fatter slice of a smaller one. So when I heard that, I'm thinking, is my product or service a real business? 
and I think this kind of goes back to some of those niche niche businesses. I can't hardly say it, but you know what I'm talking about. And when you think about them, you say, is it a business? Often I've seen on Shark Tank, people will come on and they'll say, well, you're not really a business yet. You're just an idea, right? You're just a product. And that's a mistake that early early entrepreneurs make in their business journey, especially inventors or people that have come up with something, uh, is they think that because they have an idea, it equates to dollars. And the facts are it doesn't. doesn't mean it won't sell a bazillion of them, and it doesn't mean that it won't one day, but you have to show up with sales. And sales are the most important driving factor in any business because if you walk in with the same widget and you got a purchase order for 100,000 units, now you're a business. If you walk in with a, a prototype concept and you say, I think this is awesome and it does this, they're going to say, well, okay, how, much, how many have you sold? Well, I haven't sold any yet. The reason they always ask the question is, is because if it was really that good, you would have already sold some. Now, sometimes there's, we put challenges out there, right? We're like, well, the logistics of getting them manufactured and maybe it's plastics and the manufacturers in China and I don't have those contacts, so I need this. I can tell you this, anything that you put your mind to and you say, this is something that I want to do, you can find a way to figure it out. Even if it includes manufacturing overseas, doesn't mean you have to make a trip to China, but you can find people who can help make it happen. Fifth question was, what differentiates my product from the competition? And uh, like in my business, that's a tough one because the competition has the same product as I do. So what differs the products? Nothing. The only thing that I can do different is provide better service. Maybe your business is that way. One of the ones I think about in that area is food. I mean, you can decide to go to the grocery store and pick up food. You can stop at a fast food joint or restaurant. You can go to fine dining. There's so many choices. So what really makes your product different? Maybe the taste is that much better, but the, the facts are that service goes a long way. The next one says, how much power do my customers have? Now, this is a really good one because I actually have had customers that had a lot of power. And when I say power, uh, it, was a, it took up a huge slice of the pie of my business. So I'll give you an example of that. Is it would be like as if you started your business and you were making uh, like a metal grommet for a manufacturer. And this grommet was needed in manufacturing. And they said, we use these to build some, you know, part for a car or a part for, for anything, a computer system or whatever. And so the only person that you're selling this to is this one supplier, because maybe they're the biggest supplier in the world of it. Well, business can be booming, and you may be making healthy margins and having a really, you know, sustainable business. But what happens if something changes in their business world, or maybe they have someone come in or their product changes, all of a sudden, uh, your business went from being really successful to not overnight, all because your customer had too much power over your business. So you want to be able to, 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 to diversify the product. Uh, so that's important to remember. The next one is, is how much power do my suppliers have? Another great one. Meaning sometimes when you go through suppliers, it's important that you have ironclad agreements in place because if all of a sudden you start selling a lot of stuff and they say, well, we're going to increase your price to this and you've already made a deal over here, can you pass that on to your customer without losing the account? Maybe you can, maybe you can't, but that's something that you really want to think about. The next one, number eight, is does my, does my business have a moat around it? 
Um, I think that one's kind of self-explanatory, but it says, if you're smart enough to spy a profitable business opportunity, rest assured competition isn't far behind, or instead of a direct competitor, maybe a substitute technology will come along. That's kind of like uh, if you don't have a patent in place, you're, you know, easily somebody could go duplicate the idea or beat you to market. So that's a good question to ask. Number nine is what is my appetite for risk? Now, a lot of people starting businesses, they're not risking a lot because some businesses are started on a shoestring budget. Other businesses may get angel investors or maybe you talk your family into investing and nothing's worse than having your grandmother give you $2 million to start a business and then your business goes bust and grandma's retirement's down the drain. So be sure to think about what your tolerance for risk is. I think that's a great question. Number 10 is what is the smartest way to fund my operation? Now, funding something that we can talk about for days on end, and I don't think we should get too deep into it unless someone has a specific question. If you do have a specific question, you can post it up online at facebook.com backslash the Chase Channel Show, and we'll answer it right here live. Um, let's just keep on scrolling through these. 11, am I outsourcing the right task? That one's kind of self-explanatory. Number 12, who is my role model? Role model, I thought this was a really good one because sometimes in business, you go out and you've seen a similar concept. And then everything that you do in your business, you make because you kind of think, well, we need it to be a little more like that. Here's an example is something regional, right? You go on vacation and you see this business idea for the first time. Like, like let's say we go on vacation and we go ziplining. And we're in Jamaica and everybody's ziplining. You think, man, that's fantastic. And But wouldn't it be great if there were ziplines back home? And you think, well, and you get home and you look it up and there's no ziplines. So then you think, wow. Well, then when you develop your zipline, you're always making it after kind of the zipline you experienced the first time. So the question is, is, is that a good role model? You really have to think that through. The next thing is, number 13, is am I measuring the right things? That's one of those questions that we touched on a little bit last week, but in thinking about it, um, is, are you measuring your sales the right way, your margins the right way? These are all things that you need to dissect, and sometimes you have to get back to the basics. What I mean by that is, is when business isn't going great, a lot of times we're in such a routine, we don't step back to reanalyze it. We just keep going with what we do, and we say, man, I really hope uh, that things get better. And I always say if you're operating on the hope system, you're destined to fail. So make sure that if things aren't going the way they should be, you take a step back and reanalyze. Uh, number 14, this is one of my favorites. Do I have the right people? Now, this is something that you can't get confused on because some people in business, they come up with these brainiac ideas and they're like, oh, my business is going to be fantastic. All I need to do is get a person to do this, and I'm going to hire this person to do that, and I'm going to get this guy to do this. The number one expense in businesses, and if you want to write this down, I recommend it. The number one expense in business is personnel. They're walking around. So if you want to see where your biggest expense is, just look around. Odds are they're walking in front of you or they're sitting around. Personnel is the biggest expense, and we think of it, and we all we think is we're the boss. We can hire more people. And maybe that's a, a decent concept, but sometimes to make your business more profitable, you might want to reanalyze that 
and think about, does that even make any sense? Number 15, are incentives aligned with business goals? That just comes down to the incentives that you put on your business. Does it make sense? Are you spiffing your people the right way? Are your sales goals in line with what they should be? That one's pretty self-explanatory. Number 16, do I have the right customers? Well, this one kind of comes back to, um, let's just say we, we developed a great product and we're selling some of it and we're so anxious to grow our product and we say, we've got to get our product into Walmart. So we fly out to, to Arkansas and we land and we get off the bus at Walmart. Walmart says, great, we'd like to have it. We'll order a million units. And we're so excited. But then we realize we're not making any money. So we say, well, maybe that's not so good. So remember, do you have the right customers? Maybe Walmart's right for you. Maybe they're not. But um, that's something good to keep in mind. Number 17, are my assumptions still reasonable? That just comes back to when you're building that business concept. Are the things that you assumed when going into business still the same? And are they reasonable? So meaning, you know, sometimes we say, well, and we come up with all this data that's really not data that, you know, we just assume. Well, let's just say half of the people buy it. Well, do half buy it? Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. So remember to think of that. Number 18, and this is something we talked about last week, do I have a good lawyer? It's important to remember, and this is a business lesson I learned early on in life. My dad told me, he said, son, I'm going to give you some advice. He says, if you're not an accountant, don't do accounting. If you're not an attorney, don't be an attorney, meaning do what you're good at. Don't invest in something or do something. I sell cars and I operate businesses, so I don't go out and do something different. I'm not out painting art and putting it on the wall because I'm not an artist. So just remember, stick to what you're good at. Number 19 is, am I truly harnessing technology? That's a really, really good one. And as technology has changed, you have to look at your competitors and see, are you getting beat to the punch because your competitors have the latest and greatest in technology and you don't? Or maybe you have, you have, you know, you're too innovative. You have more going on. Um, so keep that in mind and think about is the technology that you have in your business makes sense. Number 20 is, am I thinking big enough? This is really, really important. And I want you to remember number 20 because I'm going to play a clip for you in the next section and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger talks about, uh, you know, dreaming big and thinking big is one of his rules to success. So remember that one. I want you to think about that. Number 21, can the business function day to day without me? I can almost tell you that odds are they don't. And the answer should be yes. Building a sustainable business means it can operate without someone because if my business won't do that and something happens to me, what happens to the business? And a lot of us say, well, it's, this is my baby and no one cares about it as much as me and this is what I, I dreamt up or whatever the case may be, and that's fantastic. But you have to be a realist and think, if something happens, if something comes along, will the business still sustain? Now, here's the example I always use in that, and I've said this for years in the car business. I used to tell my guys, whether we're here or not, business is going to go on as normal. The only difference is, while we're here, I hope we can make it more efficient than while we're not, than if someone else was here. We can choose if we're the most efficient person, but the facts are, with or without me, 
business is going to keep carrying on. Number 22. Oh, this one's good. Am I avoiding the tough decisions? That's something in business we have a hard time with because no one likes the doom and gloom. And I said in the beginning of the show, business isn't all sunshine and rainbows. And that's true. So just think about it and say, are you avoiding tough decisions? Maybe there's an employee that you're not getting what you should get out of them. It's time to let them go. And remember, what I talked about earlier is maybe you're not you're not doing them any favors by keeping them on. So just think about that and remember that the tough decisions, that's what they are. They're tough. So number 23 and the last one, am I burned out? The famous burnout. Now, burnout happens in business and it happens in everything. And I can tell you this, vacations don't fix burnout. The reason burnout happens is, is because we become disinterested in the business itself. Business owners and business people are the most passionate and enthusiastic people out there. And when you care and you're passionate about your business, it fuels and drives you unlike anything else. Sleep isn't important to you. When you lay down at night, you'll be thinking about what you're going to do and the things you're going to change. And you're so excited about business. So when the burnout comes along, it's because the things that you once were passionate and cared about, they don't have that same burning desire anymore. All of a sudden, that fire is gone. So just remember that and think about it and say, am I burned out in business? If I am, what can I do to reinvigorate myself? Is there something that I can do to reignite that spark? And I believe there is because in life, we always have the chance to reinvent ourselves as who we are. So that was the 23 most important questions in business. I think they're really important. It's a really interesting article. You can check it out on Forbes.com. And uh, it was written by Brett Nelson. He's a contributor to Forbes. But it's really good. There's a lot of great content there. So you can search that up. We're going to take a short break. And when we get back, I'm going to play a short clip from Arnold Schwarzenegger talking about his rules, I think it's five or six rules to success. And then we're going to talk about those a little bit. Thanks for tuning in to 105.3, the talk of Jackson. You're listening to Strictly Business. My name's Chase Channel. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Strictly Business with Chase Channel. Thanks for listening to 105.3, the talk of Jackson. Don't go anywhere. Chase will be back right after this. Dribble into deals this March at Victory Honda of Jackson. Hi, I'm Chase Channel, General Manager. And right now, during the Honda Dream Garage Spring event, make zero down payment, zero security deposit, and zero first month's payment on select brand new Hondas. Plus, you won't have to make a single payment until summer. That's right, no payments until summer. And when you upgrade your vehicle at Victory Honda, we'll give you 125% of the book value for your trade. For complete details, visit VictoryHondaJackson.com then come into Victory Honda on Highway 45 Bypass and save big with no payments until summer. So come in today and score this three-point deal right here at Victory Honda. With approved credit through HFS, not all buyers or vehicles will qualify. Offers don't combine, plus tax, title, license, and 499 dealer fee. Payments deferred by lender. 125% of black with wholesale value minus restocking, reconditioning, and mileage fees. Subject to a clean Carfax report. See dealer for complete details. Offer expires 331.18.
back and you're listening to Strictly Business right here on the Tonka Jackson on 105.3. My name's Chase Channel and I'm your host. We're talking all things business and it's time to get down to business. So as promised, I'm going to play a clip for you. And I watched this clip a few weeks ago and it's uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, former governor of the, Cali- of the state of California. Arnold's had a wildly successful career in music and business. And I think just looking at someone like him, when you hear a little bit of his story and what he's been through, you're going to get a whole different perspective as to what's possible. When I think of Arnold, I think of, you know, just uh, I'll be back and the muscles and all the things that go along with uh, his past and his history. But realizing the discipline and the things he's put in in his life, I think you'll enjoy this. Of course, people ask me all the time, they say to me, what is the secret to success? The first rule is trust yourself. But what is most important is that you have to dig deep down, dig deep down and ask yourselves, who do you want to be? Not what, but who? And I'm talking about not what your parents and teachers want you to be, but you. I'm talking about figuring out for yourselves what makes you happy no matter how crazy it may sound to the people. So rule number one is, of course, trust yourself, no matter how and what anyone else thinks. And of course, rule number two is break the rules. We have so many rules in life about everything. I say break the rules, not the law, but break the rules. It is impossible to be a maverick or a true original if you're too well behaved and not want to break the rules. You have to think outside the box. That's what I believe after all. What is the point of being on this earth if all you want to do is be liked by everyone and avoid trouble? The only way that I ever got any place was by breaking some of the rules. Which of course brings me to rule number three. Don't be afraid to fail. Anything I've ever attempted, I was always willing to fail. You can't always win, but don't be afraid of making decisions. You can't be paralyzed by fear of failure, or you will never push yourself. You keep pushing because you believe in yourself and in your vision, and you know that it is the right thing to do, and success will come, so don't be afraid to fail. Which brings me to rule number four, which is don't listen to the naysayers. I mean, how many times have you heard that you can't do this, and you can't do that, and it has never been done before? As a matter of fact, I love it when someone says that never, no one has ever done this before because then when I do it, that means that I'm the first one that has done it. So pay no attention to the people that say it can't be done. I always listen to myself and say, yes, you can. And that brings me to rule number five, which is the most important rule of all. Of all. Work your butt off. Now, if I always believe leaving no stone unturned. Muhammad Ali, one of my great heroes, had a great line in the 70s when he was asked, how many sit-ups do you do? He said, I don't count my sit-ups. I only start counting when it starts hurting. When I feel pain, that's when I start counting because that's when it really counts. That's what makes you a champion. That's the way it is with everything. No pain, no gain. And let me tell you, it is important 
to have fun in life, of course. But when you're out there partying, horsing around, someone out there at the same time is working hard. Someone is getting smarter and someone is winning. Just remember that. But if you want to win, there's absolutely no way around hard, hard work. None of my rules, by the way, of success will work unless you do. I've always figured out that there's 24 hours a day. You sleep six hours. They have 18 hours left. Now, I know there's some of you out there now and says, but wait a minute, I sleep eight hours or nine hours, but then just sleep faster, I would recommend. Just remember, you can't climb the ladder of success with your hands in a pocket. And that takes me to rule number six, which is a very important rule. It's about giving back. Whatever path that you take in your lives, you must always find time to give something back. Something back to your community, give something back to your state or to your country. Let me tell you something, reaching out and helping people will bring you more satisfaction than anything else you've ever done. Remember those six rules. Trust yourself, break some rules, don't be afraid to fail. More than they say is, work like hell and give something back. What an incredible story. I have to say, I think Arnold is a fantastic speaker, and I think that those five rules for success are spot on. Uh, just to recap them, if you didn't write them down, his first rule for success, success was find your vision and follow it. Um, I think that it's important that you realize that business is deeper than what we may think. And what I mean by that is, is some people think about these things like find your vision and we're so quick to write things off like, well, I know what that means. And then you go on to the next thing. But do you really know what it means to find your vision? Have you found your vision? Have you pushed yourself mentally to go the extra mile to say, what is it that I should be doing or could be doing? Do you dream big or are your dreams left in the past because you let someone talk, talk you out of it years ago? I was very fortunate my entire life that I've been stubborn and that I haven't wanted to listen to anybody else. So when people have told me, Chase, it's not going to work or Chase, that's a silly idea. I've never listened to them because the way I see it is it didn't work out for you. Doesn't mean it didn't work. It can't work out for me. And when you look at all the successful people in the world, famous athletes, uh, you name it. I remember that when I was a kid, my mom would always tell me, I would say, well, and I was inquisitive, so I would say, well, you know, do you think I could, you know, be in the uh, major leagues playing baseball? I was a decent baseball player, and my mom would always say, well, you can do whatever you want. She'd say, but if you want to play in the major leagues, you're going to have to practice a lot harder than what you're practicing. You're going to have to go out there and, and practice every single day because that's the only way you're going to get there. So I grew up with this mentality that it wasn't that I was like, I didn't think to myself, hey, I can't be in the major leagues. I just thought, hey, I didn't put in enough practice to be in the major leagues. If I wanted to, I could be there. With that mentality, it allows you to dream. It allows you to have vision. And sometimes we're told our whole childhood, no, you can't do it. No, you're not good enough. So you have to escape that. And a lot of people look at this and they say, well, this is something that brings me down. And you have to just move past it in your life and say, this is something I can do because I believe in myself. I don't have to ask for my parents' approval. 
or someone else to pat me on the back or my spouse to look out for me. I'm going to do it because I want to do it. And I know that if I put my mind to it, I can make it happen. So the question is, do you, have you found your vision and are you following it? Some of you know your vision, but you're not following it. So that was Arnold's rule number one. Rule number two was never think small. I've never been accused of this. Hopefully you're not either. And some people always say, well, that's all I want. I just want a little shop and, a, and this and just enough to get by on and that would make me happy. Sometimes when I hear that, I hear there's it's fear that, that makes us say that. It's fear that puts that in the back of our heads. Why would we not want to be successful beyond our wildest dreams? We all do, but sometimes we think, well, that'd be too daunting or too much work. It'd be easier to be mediocre. And that's what I hear when I hear people say things like, well, I just want to stay small or I just want to do this. A lot of times it's we don't know what will happen if we if we reach out, if we push ourselves to do that. So we're more comfortable staying right here where we know what's going to happen day in and day out. Ignore the naysayers. I think that uh, that's rule number three. I think that that's self-explanatory, but it's so important to realize that in life, people will bring you down. People around you in your workplace will tell you things just to bring you down. They'll try to get in your head. That's how politics in the workplace work. So it's important to surround yourself with people who believe in you, people who will lift you up, people who will give you brighter ideas and force you to dream. That's one of the reasons I read books is because when you start to read books about business, you realize how much is possible and how much has happened. Think of it this way. Let's wipe every business off the face of the earth. How much opportunity is there in the world? Do you think any of you might go out and start a business if there weren't any? So sometimes we say, well, we'd never be successful. There's just too many restaurants. Well, too many restaurants, what, if that's what everyone would have thought all the time, we wouldn't have top restaurants in the world. We would just have one. So remember that competition's not a bad thing. Don't back down and don't be scared. Number four was work your butt off. And I think that that's one thing that I've always nailed in business and in life is I've always worked harder than everyone else. And the reason I've worked harder than everyone else is because I wasn't always the smartest guy. You don't have to be a brain to be successful in business, but you have to be prepared to put in the work. I told a story in our, the first week of the show about my life and about my career, and I'll share it with you again because a lot of you probably missed it. But I remember when I was first promoted uh, to my first like finance job where I kind of overstated what I knew how to do unintentionally. So I went in and said, yeah, I'm a great finance person and I'm, oh, don't worry, I can do this and I can do that. And I thought that that was the case, but I'd never done finance outside of this one dealership. So when I get my big opportunity, I get my big break, I go to work there and it was in that moment that I realized I have no idea what I'm doing. There was so much more to it, and the dealership that I came from, they had all this support personnel that would do it for you. They'd help you do the tag and title, and they'd help you with the forms, and they'd help you get the deals done, and they'd help you with lien holder stuff. So all this was taking place, and I'm sitting here thinking, I don't know any of this. So I remember being at the dealership. I'd get there at you know 9 in the morning when they opened, or if we had a sales meeting, maybe 8, and then I would be there till. 10, 11, 12, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock. It just didn't matter when. I was staying until I got the job done. 
So much so, I've actually stayed the night at the dealership because it got to be so late and the commute was so long. I said, well, by the time I commute, I'll pretty much have to turn around and come back. So I may as well just try to catch a couple hours of Z's in the showroom and then get back to work because I got a lot to do. So in that moment, I could have said, you know what? I don't know what I'm doing. I shouldn't have said I can do this. So I'm going to move on and you guys can fire me or I'm going to quit. But instead, I said, I know that if I sit here and I try hard enough, I can figure it out because they're not that much smarter than me. This doesn't seem that complicated. If they can do it, I can do it. So remember that. That's really, really important. And then his last rule was don't just take, give back. That's one of the reasons I'm doing the show is to give back because I've been so blessed in business and have found my way along the, the bumpy road of business. And in doing so, I feel like it's our duty as humans to give back and to help others. Some people are sitting there with a billion-dollar idea, but they're on their couch afraid to use it. Some people are at work thinking that they're never going to move up because it's just maybe that person, it's too hard, or their boss just is too qualified or too smart. And we, we put these roadblocks in our mind. And for me, and what would mean more to me than anything is to help people break through those and move on to find the success that they're destined for, to push themselves in not only personally but in business because it takes stepping outside our comfort zone. I'm fortunate I went to a training. Uh, it's not even, well, I guess it's a training, but it's, a, it's called Rapport Leadership International, and you can find it. They're located in Las Vegas, Nevada is where the office is. But I'm a master graduate of Rapport, so there's different segments that you can take. But the first one that you go to is called Leadership Breakthrough One. And it's real secretive when, you, when you're getting ready to go. Every time you ask a question like, what's going to happen? They'll say, all will be known in due time. So there's this whole buildup for it. I remember that uh, Dave Robards, who now works for Grant Cardone, he was my like, salesperson there. And the, it's not really salesperson because the way they, they do it is, is you're recommended by someone else. Then they call and they say, you know, this person – has recommended you, they hold you in extreme high regard. And, and, and then they say things like, what is it that you want to get out of rapport? And I'm like, well, I don't even know what rapport is. How should I know what to get out of it? But you're trying to like lead with, well, it's, it's, it's in the name, right? Uh, rapport leadership international. So I'm like saying, well, I want to be a great leader and I want to do this. And then I'll never forget. Dave said, but Chase, what does that mean to you? And I'm like, man, what does this guy come up with these questions? That's deeper than I'd ever thought in my life. I was kind of a shallow person up until this point. And I'm thinking, man, who asked questions like that? And then he would press harder and press harder and press harder, asking me the same thing over and over again. And I was so uncomfortable thinking about it because I had no idea what to say. So it really got me thinking and he kind of let me off the hook a little bit. I, I mean, I think they probably do that to everybody. And I get there, and the first thing that I realize about this is, is the whole thing is designed to push you outside your comfort zone. And I'm not going to go through exactly what you are taught there, but the entire concept of Leadership Breakthrough One, which is three days, and it's the hardest three days of anything I've done in my life, and I've done a lot of different things, but it pushes you emotionally 
and mentally further than anything. I called it emotional and mental warfare because it's like torture. When you get out of there, you see life in such a different perspective that you're going. And one of the things they make you do when you get there is you have to sign this affidavit and take this pledge that you won't make any rational or irrational, I guess, decisions like quitting your job within 72 hours of the training. And I'm thinking, what kind of crazy thing is this? And they said that so many people quit their jobs when they leave there, and it's because you look at things with a different perspective. It gives you a completely different take on what's going on in the world. And the reason it does is because it really digs into who you are and what's important to you. So in this don't just take give back segment, this is the way I want to give back is to help others in business, push you outside your comfort zone, challenge you to try harder and to do more and to say, you know what? I believe in myself. Chase believes in me. And together we can do it as a team. We're going to take a short break. When we get back, we've got a text line full of questions. So we're going to start on some questions. If you want to ask a question, post it up on facebook.com backslash the Chase Channel Show, or you can shoot us in a text message. The text line for the show is 731-215-0158. You're listening to Strictly Business on 105.3 The Talk of Jackson. You're listening to Strictly Business with Chase Channel. Thanks for listening to 105.3 The Talk of Jackson. Don't go anywhere. Chase will be back right after this. Dribble into deals this March at Victory Honda of Jackson. Hi, I'm Chase Channel, General Manager. And right now, during the Honda Dream Garage Spring event, make zero down payment, zero security deposit, and zero first month's payment on select brand new Hondas. Plus, you won't have to make a single payment until summer. That's right, no payments until summer. And when you upgrade your vehicle at Victory Honda, we'll give you 125% of the book value for your trade. For complete details, visit VictoryHondaJackson.com, then come into Victory Honda on Highway 45 Bypass and save big with no payments until summer. So come in today and score this three-point deal right here at Victory Honda. With approved credit through HFS, not all buyers or vehicles will qualify. Offers don't combine, plus tax, title, license, and $4.99 dealer fee. Payments deferred by lender. 125% of black with wholesale value minus restocking, reconditioning, and mileage fees. Subject to a clean Carfax report. See dealer for complete details. Offer expires 331.18.
back you're listening to strictly business on 105.3 the talk of jackson my name's chase channel i'm your host each and every week on fridays from one to three on saturdays you can catch it from nine to eleven i'm the general manager at victory honda in jackson and we get down to business every week so now it's time to get down to business we're going to go to our facebook page facebook.com backslash the chase channel show we have a question from Samantha. Samantha says, what is the hardest part of being a leader? Hmm, good question, Samantha. I think the hardest part about being a leader, in my opinion, is setting the benchmark for your people. And the reason I say that is, as a leader, people always look to you as to what's okay or what's not okay. And setting a benchmark for your people is the standard by which your business will operate. If it's okay for you to show a plate, it's okay for them to show a plate. If it's okay for you to not do something, it's okay for them to not do something. So in business, we're a constant role model for our people. And that's the hardest part is realizing that you can't have a bad day and you can't, all these things can affect how every person on your team perceives you. So I remember early on in business, I mean, I was a sales guy, I'd go out with my friends and I can drink and party and go downtown and I can do whatever I want and show up to work the next day and it's no big deal. But when you're in a position of leadership, you can't do that. You can't fraternize with the people that work for you. 
You can't go out and party downtown with everyone that works for you because what happens is in business, all of a sudden those relationships don't work out in the workplace. So the hardest part about it is, in my opinion, Samantha, would be setting the benchmark for your people because it's what everything that everyone does in your workplace is going to be based off how you act and how you conduct yourself. So I think that's the most difficult part. But that's a fantastic question. Now we're going to go to the text line. Uh, let's see here. Chase, my business does well in peak seasons and times. What advice could you give to help us in the downtimes? We love our business and love the show. Amy. Thanks for the love, Amy. I appreciate you sending in the question. And that's a great question. Um, and that's a real serious question in business. A lot of businesses are designed around seasons. And let's talk about a dramatic one like skiing, right? Skiing only happens when the snow's on the ground. So the first thing, Amy, I would say is, and I would guess that you didn't make your business concept around a seasonal business. A lot of times with seasonal businesses, we project our year, our yearly sales, our yearly, our yearly revenues and goals based off what business we do during the peak times. And we say, well, and you kind of use an average and you can cap it off. And then you think, well, if we sustain that throughout the year, we'll be fine and we'll make X, which is true. However, that's not always the case, which is sounds like what's going on in, uh, in your world. What advice I would suggest is, and again, in all businesses, it's different, but you have to expand. Think about what products you could add that maybe are relevant in non-peak times. As an example, I worked with a very seasonal business for a long time, a sporting goods store. And in the wintertime was hunting season. Everyone would come in and business was booming. But in the summer, business was very, very slow. So we got into summer sports such as fishing. Uh, we added things that, you know, I remember even selling uh, feed supplies and other things like that that were more popular in the summertime. So don't narrow yourself down to just a product that's seasonal. Try to find something that will fit in the gaps. And I think that will really help you out. So just don't limit yourself to one thing. The other thing is, is think about your business from the standpoint of uh, like happy hour, right? Like happy hour was designed because it's to drive business in non-peak times and bars. So what could you do as a promotion in non-peak times to drive business in? The profit margins don't have to be as big because you're just trying to get more business through the door. And you know that those clients and those customers and those margins are going to come through in peak times. So what you want to think about is what kind of promo could I offer or what could I do to make it a little bit different to get people in the door? So I would say, Amy, think happy hour, and that should give you some direction to go. Like I said, mix up the products. Think about it like it's happy hour because that's really going to be the best way I can think to get more people in the door during those non-peak times. And again, depending on the size of your business, like in our world, there's months like November is a tough month, October is a tough month. They're short months. They're surrounded by holidays. They're in the downturn of weather. They're just not great for retail. But one of the things that's most important during those times is we're as sharp as we can possibly be because everyone in, in the dealership is going to be looking to me to say, are we just going to take it easy because it's a slow time? 
or are we going to put in extra effort and work harder to make it happen because it's a slow time? And I can tell you this, I've set all-time sales records in down, down months, and what happens is it's a culture in your business and in your store, and when you set the bar and you say, hey, we're going to push it, and we're not going to, we don't care that it's October, we don't care that it's November, we don't care that it's a downturn, we're going to get on the phones, we're going to get aggressive, we're going to make more outbound calls, we're going to invite more people in, we're going to treat our clients better, we're going to do whatever it takes to be successful in business. So the question is, Amy, are you doing that in your business? And that's only a question that you can answer, but I would say if you take some of those little bits and pieces, you'll find some more success. Okay, great question. Let's see. Next one here on the text line is, oh, this one's funny. It says, is advertising negotiable? What are the best ways you find to making sure you're getting a fair deal in advertising from John? Well, John, first thing is everything's negotiable, including advertising. Uh, I think that John's question poses the fair side of it more than the negotiating side of it, which is usually how we want to be treated. I would say this, uh, in very small businesses, you can kind of share your budget with advertisers and they'll usually work with you. And a lot of times it's on a way discounted rate as to what is normally out there. Now, if you're a little bit larger business, you could always work with like a media group that will help you with managing your buys. They'll analyze, you know, the cumes and the views and the listens and all that and monetize it into what should be paid for what. So that would be my advice if you're in that size business. But sometimes in real small businesses, it's better to say, hey, we don't have that kind of budget, but what could you do for us? One of the things that will help is to hold out, meaning that advertisers are going to come to you and they want to sell their products. So sometimes you just say, hey, listen, right now we don't have the budget for it, and maybe they'll sweeten the deal for you. The other thing to keep in mind is you can always trade services for advertising. There's a lot of times where maybe billboards or uh, even radio, if you have a service that the radio needs and maybe you could say, hey, is this something that we could provide? So those are avenues that in small businesses, I would say to consider and to think about. Those are some great questions. We're going to get to more questions uh, right after this break. So if you have a question, you can post it up on facebook.com backslash the Chase Channel Show, or you can text it in to the text line at 731-215-0158. My name's Chase Channel, and this is Strictly Business. You're listening to Strictly Business with Chase Channel. Thanks for listening to 105.3 The Talk of Jackson. Don't go anywhere. Chase will be back right after this. Dribble into deals this March at Victory Honda of Jackson. Hi, I'm Chase Channel, General Manager, and right now during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event, make zero down payment, zero security deposit, and zero first month's payment on select brand new Hondas. Plus, you won't have to make a single payment until summer. That's right, no payments until summer. And when you upgrade your vehicle at Victory Honda, we'll give you 125% of the book value for your trade. For complete details, visit VictoryHondaJackson.com. Then come into Victory Honda on Highway 45 Bypass and save big with no payments until summer. 
So come in today and score this three-point deal right here at Victory Honda. With approved credit through HFS, not all buyers or vehicles will qualify. Offers don't combine, plus tax, title, license, and 499 dealer fee. Payments deferred by lender. 125% of black with wholesale value minus restocking, reconditioning, and mileage fees. Subject to a clean Carfax report. See dealer for complete details. Offer expires 331.18. Gent who ran a muck in Kent. Lately he's been overheard in Mayfair. You better stay away from him. He'll rip your lungs out, Jim. I'd like to meet his tailor. You're listening to 105.3, and this is Strictly Business here on the Talk of Jackson. You didn't know I was going to give you some Warren Zivon to listen to. Now, for those of you who don't know, that song is one of my favorite songs 
because of when it was used in the movie The Color of Money with Tom Cruise and Paul Newman, Tom Cruise is playing pool as he twirls his pool cue around uh, around the table. And that song, when I saw that, I said, man, this is just fantastic. So it's always been one of my faves, so I played it for you, so I hope you enjoyed. Uh, we're going to get back to business and some questions. Let's see here. We're going to go to the text line where we have a question that came in. It says, what's the hardest part of rapport? Uh-oh. I was afraid that was going to happen. That question comes in from Tiffany, it says. Tiffany, great question. The hardest part of rapport, I would say, is you can't fake your way through it. What I mean by that is, is I'll give you a, a little snippet because I can share little pieces of rapport with you. But when I got to rapport, we showed up and you meet at the location at their office in Las Vegas. Then you get on a bus and everyone's being real social because they know it's a leadership thing. So everyone's real chatty. And I was kind of sticking to myself, observing everything. And I'm, I'm social, but I'm like, you know, I'm not going to sit here and be fake and talk to all these people. I don't even know them. So I'm sitting there observing. Everyone's being chatty, trying to talk. They come in and they go through some basic little, you know, welcome and go through their little ordeal. You go out, you load up on a bus. And one of the things they told you was is sit on the first seat that's available when you get on the bus. So I'm thinking like this whole thing's a test and I'm following instructions. So I get on the bus, I sit in the seat. Well, the guy comes in, marching on the bus, he's bald, and he's like a military sergeant, starts screaming. I'm like, uh-oh, this isn't going to be good. So he screams, you know, at us as loud as he can. They call it projection, but he's screaming. And everyone on the bus is like, wow, you know, what's going on? So anyway, he tells everyone to move forward if because most people didn't listen. So then once they move forward, you truck your way out. And when I was going here, they're like, oh, yeah, you're going to Vegas. I'm thinking, man, Vegas, this is going to be fantastic. It's not Vegas. It's Alamo, Nevada. Alamo is right over the hill from Area 51. That's how remote this place is. And they tell you, don't walk up the hill in the back because if you go over the top, we won't ever see you again. But you get there, it's about two hours, I would say, by bus out in the desert. As you pull in, it's a nice retreat kind of situated on the side of a hill. And so we get there, we walk in, and it's a nice little lodge area. They have really, really great chefs that cook, um, you know, all the meals while you're there. And you get there, and this is probably about 6.30 in the evening. And so right away you go in and you have this nice meal. Well, the tables are set in a, almost like making a half of a circle. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I don't want to sit on the left or the right or the middle, so I'll set like maybe a quarter of the way through because if they say we're going to start on this end and that end, so I'm always planning, trying to work my angle. And we sit there, we eat, and I'm like, well, this isn't so bad. I can't believe everyone gets all worked up over this. The instructor gets up, and he starts marching back and forth, back and forth, and I'm like, oh, boy, what's going on here? So then he comes over and he stops right in front of me. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Here, I didn't set in the thing. I set over here. Still gets me. And there's got to be 50 of us. And he says, Mr. Channel. And I, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to give it right back to this guy. I'm like, yes, sir. So anyway, 
He says, you'll report downstairs, you know, at this time, 15 minutes before the rest of your class. Do you understand? I said, yes, sir. He goes back over and sets down. Well, we get up and the instructors leave and everyone comes over and they say, this is a test. We're all going to go with you because we're a team and this is team building. It's leadership and we're all leaders. I'm like, okay, I don't know if that's the case, but whatever. So we all go downstairs and uh, you get to this door. The door's closed. The door swings open. Mr. Channel. And uh, I go in and everyone's like, should we go? And they slam the door. I walk in. There's 50 chairs. There's two instructors. And then there's two other people sitting in the back that are, uh, they're actually Native American Indians. And they're sitting there. And I'm like, what is going on here? Of course, I feel like I'm in the middle of an Indian tribe in the middle of the desert anyway. And then they're sitting here, and then I've got the two instructors. No one's talking. The instructor screams, Mr. Channel, you've been chosen to welcome class 4309 to Rapport Leadership International. I'm like, what? And all this is coming at me so fast, I can't even process it. So I'm like, he says, you, uh, you're going to, like, I'm going to welcome them. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And he says, they teach you diaphragmatic breathing right then. He says, you'll have to, you know, breathe through your diaphragm to project. And when I say project, like I said, it's not, I would, I would use the example, but you'd have to literally turn off the radio. It's so loud. So he's screaming as loud as he can. I'm screaming as loud as I can right back. And uh, he says, repeat after me. And I'm thinking, oh, great. Now I have to remember something to say when they come in. And they didn't hand me like a piece of paper. He starts screaming it at me. I scream it back. He screams it back. I scream it back. And he's standing about 10 feet across from me. And he says, are you ready to greet your class? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I mean, ready as I'm going to get. So I'm screaming that back at him. So everybody comes in and I'm like, you know, welcome class 4309. I go through the whole thing. I get through it. And he says, you know, excellent job, Mr. Channel. Let's all, you know, give him a hand. And I sat down. And I sat down and I thought, it can't get any worse than this. So I was literally had this just wave of relief come over me because I'm thinking to myself, this is fantastic. I just got that out of the way. I'm like chosen out of everybody. I mean, who? how does that even happen to do this? But I did it. I got through it. The rest of this is going to be a breeze, and I'm going to get to watch all these other people be uncomfortable. Well, I wish I could tell you that that was the case, but I can honestly say this about rapport, and this is all I'll say, is everything that we did from that moment on was harder and pushed you harder and further outside your comfort zone. When I first went there, I thought, you know, I'm a gr I can be a great actor, so I'll just act my way through it. They won't know the difference, and I'll be on my way. It, it didn't work that way. And unfortunately, that wasn't the case. And I kind of got through the first parts, just, you know, putting my mind to it and screaming my way through it. But on the very last day before graduation, you go through this thing where for five minutes, you have to let it all out. And I'm thinking five minutes. I mean, five minutes is an eternity in front of people. And when I say let it all out, I'm talking about as loud as you can and just everything you've got inside you. And it's like, it's just such a, you, I mean, it's something you never do in your life. So, and I just thought to myself, okay, here, here it is. I mean, you can't fake it for five minutes. You've made it this far. You can, I mean, and there's people that are just crying and screaming and pouring their hearts out and all this emotional stuff's going on. Everyone's hugging. I'm not used to it. And I think, man, 
this is it. I, I mean, this is do or die. And that was the moment that I had my breakthrough. And when you get there, they tell you, hey, you'll, you'll have a breakthrough. And I'm thinking to myself on graduation day, kind of while I've gotten through this. But the point being is, is in rapport, everything that they do pushes you further. It makes it a little bit harder. And each, I mean, when I'm saying a little bit harder, I'm talking about everything you do up until the point of graduation. But the whole time, the whole thing is designed to move you outside that comfort zone. And the reason they do that is because learning only takes place outside the comfort zone. So if you don't, if you live your whole life in your little bubble, in your little comfort zone, you're never going to experience the learning that takes place by putting yourself out there and doing something because the routines of life are so easy. We go through them and they're necessary and they're part of what goes on. But when you get so used to that mundane routine of day in and day out, this is what I do, no learning's going on. So this thing really pushes you to your limits. But I would say the hardest part of it was there's no faking your way through it. You really had to dig in, find yourself, and put it out there. So I hope that answers your question. That was a great question, Tiffany. And if you're thinking about rapport, be my guest. Give it a try. Um, let's go back here to Facebook. We have a question from Anthony. He says, how do you train your salespeople? Well, that's a great question, Anthony. My answer to that would be often and always, meaning that training is something that you can't do once and expect it to take root. Training is something that you have to have on a consistent basis every single day, and you have to itemize things that you're going to cover. So I always say that people practice things till they get it right. In business, you want to practice things until you can't get it wrong because you want it to be second nature. When somebody comes in and asks me about a car, they ask me about something, I don't have to think about it. I already know because I've practiced until I can't get it wrong. So in our practice sessions, they happen every single day, 8.45 sharp in the morning. Everyone's in attendance. And we just get there and we cover some, we go over some information, but then we start training and we might talk about, uh, you know, closing the deal or meet, meet and greet or how uh, phone prospecting or building rapport or, I mean, you name it, we're going to cover it. But the key to training your salespeople is, is you have to, because with salespeople, they're only going to push themselves and do what you make them do. So it has to be every single day, a time dedicated to where, Regardless of, because there's always going to be an excuse. So I recommend you do it in the morning before the day gets started. Because if you say you're going to do it at noon every day, a mad customer comes in, you're in, uh, you know, taken away from, and you're in your office, and then it's 12:15, and then you say, well, let's have the meeting now. People are checked out. Someone's out to lunch, and it's just not as effective as it should be. So that's something that I would keep in mind: is make sure that you have a training schedule set. You have the items that you're going to cover set. Also, if you can incorporate them writing stuff, it really helps out with retention. So get them involved. Make sure that you do lots of role play, and uh, I think that should help you, and that's how I train my salespeople. We're going to do one more question. Well, we're going to take a short break. Then when we come back, we'll get to a few more questions. You're listening to 105.3, The Talk of Jackson. This is Strictly Business. Taking care of business. 
You're listening to Strictly Business with Chase Channel. Thanks for listening to 105.3 The Talk of Jackson. Don't go anywhere. Chase will be back right after this. Dribble into deals this March at Victory Honda of Jackson. Hi, I'm Chase Channel, General Manager, and right now during the Honda Dream Garage Spring event, make zero down payment, zero security deposit, and zero first month's payment on select brand new Hondas. Plus, you won't have to make a single payment until summer. That's right, no payments until summer. And when you upgrade your vehicle at Victory Honda, we'll give you 125% of the book value for your trade. For complete details, visit VictoryHondaJackson.com then come into Victory Honda on Highway 45 Bypass and save big with no payments until summer. So come in today and score this three-point deal right here at Victory Honda. With approved credit through HFS, not all buyers or vehicles will qualify. Offers don't combine, plus tax, title, license, and $4.99 dealer fee. Payments deferred by lender, 125% of black with wholesale value minus restocking, reconditioning, and mileage fees. Subject to a clean Carfax report. See dealer for complete details. Offer expires 331.18. That's a little Life by the Drop by Stevie Ray Vaughan. That song was recorded before his death in 1990 and was later released that year in 1991. Uh, I believe it was on the album The Sky is Crying. So there you have it. Great song, one of my favorites, A Little Life by the Drop. Um, Now it's time to get back to business. 
we got a few more questions here that have come in as we wind down the show. Let's take a look here. We're going to go to the text line. It says, what books would you recommend to help me be more successful? That's an excellent question. Here's what I look for when I think about books to read is, A, I find people who have found success in things that interest me. And then those are the ones that I read up on. So, you know, if I want to have the best flower shop in the planet, I find the most successful florist in the world and look up things that they've written or things that they've been a part of. And those are the things that I look for. Finding inspiration in books, I think that um, I'm a big fan of mental toughness and finding things that, you know, push us outside our comfort zone. So looking into things that will really make us say, hey, scratch our heads and this there's more that's possible. I can push myself. You know, finding those uh, the limits of the, the human potential, I think that those are important things. I like watching things. I read books by endurance runners, people who do things that are difficult because I find inspiration in realizing that how far we can push ourselves to do more because in business, it's always going to come up where you have to persevere push yourself harder and further. So those are things that I find inspirational, and I'm sure you will too. Obviously, you can check out the business section at any bookstore or on Amazon. You'll find lots of them. Uh, one of my favorites is uh, Warrior Mindset, and I can't remember who wrote it, but it was written by a Navy SEAL, and he talks about the warrior mindset and discipline. And I always thought that was really cool because, again, it shows how powerful our minds really are let's see here we'll take a question from the facebook page again if you want to post up a question it's facebook.com backslash the chase channel show post it right there on the wall and i'll answer it each week on the show and you can ask anything you want it can be about business it can be about your career at your current job or you're thinking about making a, a decision where you want to switch jobs or switch careers or uh, you know, try that new business or you can call and ask me relationship advice if you want, but I don't know if I'd take it from me, but anything you want to know, post it up on there and we'll get to them each week. Here's a question. It says, this is from Logan it says, how do you find inspiration that keeps, I don't know if I understand that. How do you find inspiration that drives you? That's a good question. Um, I think we find inspiration in different places and everybody out there listening probably can relate to that. For some of us, our families inspire us, maybe our children, some of us are pets, um, but loved ones often are the, uh, kind of the baseline for inspiration and the reason that we do things in life. I know that, uh, people will make a lot of sacrifices for people that they love and to do things to give more to others. For me personally, I always find it that the inspiration comes from wanting to do more and to give more and to always be better because I know the more successful I am, the more I can give back, the more I can help other people, the more I can do to change the lives of people who are less fortunate and do more. You can make more impact in a world when you're successful. If you're broke, it's hard to go give to charity or help build homes or help feed the homeless or do this or that. You can go volunteer your time. But for me, I feel like I can make a bigger impact by becoming more and more successful to help others. doesn't mean I don't find inspiration in other things. I love making my parents proud. I love making people who look up to me 
uh, proud and, and, and excited that I'm their mentor because people look up, you know, to a lot. Of, I mean, everyone has someone that looks up to them, whether it's uh, maybe it's your child or your niece or nephew or a friend or family member. But when those people look up to you, they're looking up to you because they want to be like you. And they say, hey, if he can do it, I can do it. So I always just think about that benchmark. And am I making them proud? Am I setting a great example for them? So those are kind of uh, some of the things that I think of when I look into that. But um, again, everyone's different. So I don't think that uh, I don't think that it's just cookie cutter where you can say, well, this is that or this is the case. I think inspiration we find in different areas and different parts of our lives. I remember, um, and this is kind of an interesting story, but I remember that when I first fell in love with pool and playing pool, um, it inspired me because I went to a friend of mine's house, uh, Billy, and Billy, we were going to ride the cheerleaders from the high school through the parade. And when we showed up, we had a little time to kill, and he said, uh, do you want to play a game of pool? And I said, well, I, I don't remember you know, I don't really know how to play. And he says, well, I, you know, it's not that hard. I'll show you. And I'd kind of seen pool before in my life. My grandfather had a pool table when I was real small. I remember being in his basement, but no one ever really used it. And I was too small to even see over it. But I remember it being there, but I didn't really understand how you play a game of pool. So he tells me the rules and we play. And I remember kind of saying, I wonder if anyone's just really, really good at this. And, uh, you know, we played and knocked the balls around and I said, we should get good at this. And, uh, he's like, yeah. So I said, uh, well, wonder where we could play all the time. And there was a flea market in town that had uh, a few pool tables that they had and they would, I think it was about $5 and they let you play pretty much all evening. So we would go down there and, and, uh, each of us would chip in and we'd get the table and we would play and play and play and play and play. But, I found inspiration because I thought I can hone and become great at this. And if I focus enough and practice enough, then I'm going to become a great pool player. Well, uh, we'd played for maybe, I don't know, two or three weeks down there. And uh, Billy's uncle came in and he said, uh, you guys should go play at Q's and Brews. It's free pool on Tuesdays. And I remember I said, well, I'm, I'm not 18. You know, I don't think they'll let me in. He says, oh, they don't card you. Just go in there. And I'm thinking, I think I was 17 at the time. And I'm thinking, man, I don't know. You know, I was so nervous. I was such a scaredy cat as a kid. But I, as I was driving home, I had $20 left that my mom had given me for to get dinner or whatever. She'd give me money occasionally. So I had 20 bucks. I thought, I'm going to just stop in there. I had a pool stick I'd bought at Kmart that you screwed together, had a screw-on tip, and I thought I was the best pool player on the planet after three weeks of playing. So I walked through the door, and when I went in, they said, uh, we're playing uh, a game here, a dollar on the five and a dollar on the nine. You want to get in? I said, sure. I didn't even know what they were playing or what that meant, but there's probably 10 of them sitting around playing this ring game. And uh, before I left, I never got to shoot a shot, and I was out my $20. And, of course, I didn't want to say I was broke and didn't have any more money, so I just kind of <laughs> made a, so well, I got to get going. I'll catch you guys next time. But it was in that moment that I found inspiration because when I saw people not miss a shot and run every ball, it set a benchmark in my mind 
that this you can become great at this. You can you can play this game and not miss a shot. Um, and that is what drove me. So you can find inspiration in all sorts of areas of life. And I think it's important that you keep your mind open enough that when those opportunities come, you don't suppress them. You act on them. And uh, pool's become a huge part of my life over the years. And uh, I'm sure it will be for many, many years to come. But uh, like I said, you never know where it will come. For me, it was in that Cues and Brews and watching that and just that visual. And I, the next morning, I actually left school. I skipped school and I showed back up there. They opened at 10 o'clock. And I said, I'm, I'm going to get so good. It made me so mad I lost that $20. I said, I've got to get better and understand this game they're playing so that I don't lose. And when I got there, I walked in. And I said, uh, there's no one in the place. This is a bar at 10 o'clock in the morning. And there was a guy reading a newspaper at the bar and the nine-foot table in the back, and I got the balls, and I'm back there. And another guy walks by, and he says, hey, you're from last night. I said, yeah. I said, well, is there any – I mean, you know, who's the best player? Who's the best player anywhere? And he says, well, uh, Chad is. He's sitting right over there. And Chad's a good friend of mine still to this day. But uh, I said, well, if he's so good, why isn't he playing? And he just kind of laughed. He said, well, he doesn't play unless it's for kind of some serious money. And, of course, serious to money of me at that time, $5 was serious. So I'm thinking, man, how serious can this guy be? So he was reading the newspaper, and I walked over, and I said, hey. I said, they said you're, you're good at pool. He says, yeah, I'm okay. I said, well, if you're so good, why aren't you playing? And he just looked at me, looked at his newspaper, looked back at me, and looks back at his newspaper, and I'm thinking, okay. I said, that's what I thought. I turned around and walked off. So I'm racking the balls, and I pick up my cue, and I go to break. And he puts a stick on the table. He says, were you at least going to let me break? I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, go ahead. So he breaks, runs the table, goes back over, sets down, picks up his newspaper, starts reading it again. But in that moment, I said, I've got to be able to do that. Because if that guy's the best and that's what he can do, then I can do it. So just being able to mentally say, I can do it, I can visualize it, I can make it happen, it's an important characteristic in business, and it's important to remember that a lot of people out there are already doing what you're doing more successfully than what you are. There's people in the car business who are more successful than me. Those are the people that are my mentors and who I still emulate and, and try to pay attention to what they do so that I can become more like it. But like I said, you don't have to reinvent success. Success is something that we can find just by paying attention to what's going on around us. But it looks like we're out of time for this time. I know the time flies by when you're having fun. But if you enjoyed the show, you can post up a review on facebook.com backslash the Chase Channel Show. Leave a review, post your questions throughout the week, and I'll make sure to answer them each and every week. I appreciate all the messages on the text line and all the questions posted up on the Facebook page. If you don't have the text line, I recommend you pull your phone out and you save this number. It's 731-215-0158. You can text in any question you want to know about your business, and I'll help answer it right here each and every week. And we'll go over it. You'll get some information and some real-life practical help. Whether you choose to listen to it or not, that's totally up to you. But I can tell you, from trial and error that I've been there and done that. So until this time, next time, we'll see you back here on Strictly Business on 105.3, The Talk of Jackson. Take a
You've been listening to Strictly Business with Chase Channel. For more, please follow him on Facebook at Chase Channel Show. That's Facebook.com slash Chase Channel with two L's show. And catch him next time right here on 105.3, The Talk of Jackson.